OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Okay, awesome. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, we're super excited today to have Jason Daly on Ask an Angel. So Jason, we like to jump right into things. So why don't we just throw it over to you? Maybe you can give us a breakdown of kind of where you've come from, uh, a bit of your past, middle ground, and the future of, uh, of Jason and all the great things you've been up to. <laughs> yeah. Um, happy to do so. So I started in uh, technology domain as my career um, back in the 2000s, you know, the bubble when we we're building the infrastructure. I worked for a company that was building the wavelength switching allows us to have, you know, video on our hand uh, devices now. And that was pretty novel then because I had to learn about how you build the infrastructure, all the protocols, the wavelength switching. And they gave me a big thick book with the uh, iOS uh, ISO model and said, you got to learn all this. And every chapter you're going to talk to another uh, engineer in the department and you're going to get the deep download. I was the eighth employee of the company was called Meriton Networks. Uh, it grew and scaled up to 250 and I was the MC of the Christmas party. And I always had mentors along the way. And that's actually uh, one of the most beneficial things I've found throughout my whole career. It's definitely a theme. You'll probably uh, so talk to that later on. But the facet, facet there was I learned what technology innovation looked like, how it got funded. I was the executive whip boy, self-described. that I wanted the hard project. I wanted to dive in deep and support what was going on under this machine, this uh this bubble that was bursting open and ballooning and we're scaling is I wanted to understand all the mechanics underneath it. And that's, uh, that brought me for almost close to three years. Um, they had an exit to Xterra public company, although they were three years too short of when one of the major telco companies were going to be changing out their infrastructure and putting in this new equipment. So it was just a little bit too soon. The burn rate exhausted. And they had to uh, basically go around and say, hey, we have, to, we have to really shore up the business. Uh, do you mind taking a package? And I was so disillusioned. Like, what? I was seemingly fundamental to the sales, the marketing. I opened up accounts with 27 different major telcos to get our, our, our Series B round. And I was just like, what? Are you serious? I understood now. I, being a, a manager, being a CEO, there was families that had to be taken care of. There was critical technology that had to be delivered against spec. And I was in a unique scenario where I was transitioning into a national sales role, but I didn't have any accounts. And so it, it put me into a scenario where I had to learn to be humble. I had to learn what matters, but the, the technology and the customer had to be served. And so uh, I didn't realize that until I started doing my own business nine months after I, I jumped into my own practice of doing consulting helping innovation get deployed within uh, different environments. That Let's just say I thought I was going to go sell the tech, but what did I do? I had mompreneurs. Some of my first referrals were I'm a, an author, and she enjoyed the working relationship, but I had all this blue chip training, and I'm trying to fit into mompreneur who's only got so much time. It's a side hustle. She wants to make money, and she knows where she wants to put it, but I can't take all the tool sets I was working with I need to put it into something that's going to work. So it came down to fundamentals. It came down to the value proposition, boiling it down. And when I discovered uh, Steve Case and, uh, and all that work around the lean startup and the business model canvas, it just opened up more where that's where I had to go. I needed to go help take great ideas, great founders, and move their ideas to market. And now the tools are there readily, and the cost of starting a startup are vastly lower than trying to build, you know, an infrastructure tech company that required, you know, close to $90 million of funding throughout, where now you can do this for sometimes under $10,000, you can get a decent business opportunity where you can start generating at least a little bit of revenue. And uh, uh, from then I discovered that I, I'm going to do some investment where I see the best and brightest ideas. I'm going to put some, uh, my own dollars and my own capital behind it. Yeah. So, uh, that was um, maybe uh, about a decade ago. And that's how I stumbled into it is based on doing consulting. 
I felt that I could uh, work with some of the best and brightest, but I got I to gotta do the sweat under the collar. I got to roll up my sleeves. I got to be in the fire. I'm on that founder's journey with them. And that's been my, uh, my career ever since. Oh, that's amazing. So if you take your past experience and the last 10 years, it sounds like you found a, a really good solution on how to work and operate as a consultant slash uh, almost operator with some of these startups based on your earlier experience. You mentioned one thing that's really fascinating, and I always got to go into the subject, which is mentors. Uh, you mentioned that you started off having mentors. Can you give us a bit more um, understanding of what mentors were able to help you with and where that helped you move into where you are today? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Um, it's um, it's something that's so important to me. Uh, I'm uh, with the executive at uh, Carleton University. I'm on the alumni, and we created a, a mentoring program just to address this uh, challenge because at a university, it was not easy to find someone in the industry to be mentored. And what I end up uh, looking for out of uh, my first start in career was someone that had a skill set that I knew could be really impactful, internet-oriented. How do you uh, take technologies and implement them? Um, I got two offers. I always uh, was told by my, my parents, try and find two offers to know your value, know your worth. So you're not having someone dictate your worth. You get the market to, uh, to do so. And I ended up uh, getting an offer from export development. I did an internship for six months and I could be uh, supporting a, a country uh, a regional manager doing risk assessment. This has importance to what I'm doing now, but I also got an invite by a mentor who was doing uh, internet marketing, James Madu. And it just seemed so uh, important that I get involved in something that is going to shape fundamentally the way we are going to interact and do business in the future. And so I took $10,000 less right out of school with debt to be mentored. Like I took on the chin right then and there that this was the time that if I'm going to make any grade in the technology, I got to learn from someone who's leading the edge of that curve. And that's why it's so important to me to do mentoring. So um, you get mentored and you should mentor is the way that I look at it when I'm in mid career like this. Is there's always someone that has a skill set that can offer more experience and more insights that going to help you navigate your path forward. So when you when you reached out and took this role with the mentor, did you kind of foresee where you wanted to go with the mentor, and were they able to help guide you through that, or were you kind of leading the charge and they were filling in the blanks as you moved along? Um, so how we made arrangement with the mentor uh, early in that relationship was that. From the, uh, the offer, I, I had it included that I would have a book meeting, 30 minutes, Friday lunch, um, to be able to have discussions about not just work. It was about what I see in the business and what I want to understand. We ended up being every two weeks, which was more than enough because sometimes it stretches to a full hour. And so I, I, I put it into his calendar. Um, I, I was pretty brazen to ask that of a senior manager at VP level but he was going to lean on me and I was headhunted for my previous job. And he said, okay, you, I'm going to take you under my wing and uh, we're going to expect a lot out of both of you, uh, one another. And so that's, I mean, I led some of it, but then the, the discussion came inside of it is, all right, I need to learn what is my missing? I come from a business background, but I'm in a technology domain and every boardroom I'm in is always talking about the advances of how this technology is differentiated from the next. So, I had to get schooled, and so he would assign me time to talk to the product manager, such as the engineering. And later on, it ended up becoming part of uh, my unique relationship. I was, I was an internal, uh, informal conduit of information. Before, you know, the, the quarterly updates were pretty typical. I, I would be providing some informal updates, different team groups, or I'd be assigned by an executive who's on travels, get Jason to sit in the meeting and provide the update. And as a 20-something, that was really a valuable experience that I, I never sat alone at a lunch table. I was always getting uh, <laughs> harangued and asked about where directions were heading. And that was beneficial because I, I learned by the experience of connecting with my colleagues. So that to say, sometimes your mentoring relationships are also to the, the left and right of you as you work with teams and colleagues. So mentoring comes from everywhere then. It's not just that you have to go out and try and find it, but there's mentors out there, even if they're sitting in front of you working with you, you're going to learn something from everybody. You just got to be open-minded to it. 
That's right. Mentoring is a mindset. Being a student of life, being a student to give openly and willing to receive information and to process it in a way that is going to either make change for you or the what the job you're trying to accomplish. To accomplish. Well, I love that. And you mentioned that uh, you started a program with Carleton University. Is that around mentoring? Can you give us an idea of how that looks and what it's about and how it came about? Yeah, um, it's two aspects that I, I helped. Um, one is the university alumni uh, program that has 80,000 alumni around the world. We're all invited to be participant and to put up their hand that they would be an um, alumni mentor to a third or fourth year student. It was uh, put into a software system so they could be done through matching, but they finessed it with personal hand matching, which was something I, I felt was important. But it was managed through a process of understanding that here's the guidance and here's uh, several different interaction points where it could be facilitated with in-person uh, mentoring and mentors met other mentors. So there's professional networking development that provided a benefit that uh, for everyone. Um, so that collegial and that student mentor relationship. Uh, I went a little step further and I helped also spawn a incubator for uh, young entrepreneurs at the university. It was called Hatch. And it was for the student just like me that didn't want to go out of university to get a, a, a normal job. I wanted to create my career. I was an entrepreneur uh, and I didn't see opportunities. I wasn't getting recruited at that point. I had to go find opportunities and uh, I wanted to replace those missing elements and help bring something to Carleton. So we worked with the student association. Um, shout out to Pahad Altab. He, he was the president of CUSA and we came together with another uh, uh, student director, Renee, who went on to work with Startup Canada. And we put together a program that was providing a, a weekly get-together, a brown bag lunch series, education. And I was doing full Thursday open office hours. I was meeting every half hour, mentoring the next entrepreneur on their businesses. And that was, um, that was just important to get it going the first year, to show that we have businesses that can be built by students in a safe environment, less risk, access to academia, lots of mentoring, and the talent pool is their friends and colleagues. They get really excited by it. And we wanted to light the fire to hatch uh, the possibilities. And now that's been running, uh, now I think it's in its sixth year, and a lot of campuses have them now, and I'm, I'm glad to see it. Um, we took notes from other campuses, so it just takes a lot of time and effort to lift a new concept inside an institution. And now that we're in the world where technology and tools are readily abundant, it's really important to build an ecosystem, especially inside a university, as it's so integral to how startups get launched and uh, the, the technology innovation that's required. Oh, that sounds amazing. And congratulations on setting that up. It's huge. Thank uh, you. Appreciate it. Is there, is there some metrics that you can take around this? Because in, when I like to explore this mentor piece, I've had mentors throughout my day, but I went to them and said, I want you know, you, you're marketing. I'm not, I want to learn about marketing. So can I be, you be my mentor? And I did that at different places throughout time. Um, I only had one person ever come to me and tell me they want to be my mentor, which I thought was phenomenal. And he was, uh, he was a lawyer and Chris was a, an, an awesome guy. And uh, I remember that when he just flipped me over and said, go look at this book. So when I looked, <laughs> pulled it off the shelf and he's like, what do you see in there? And I'm like, uh, it was a hockey card. It was a goalie and yeah. uh or sorry it was a baseball card and yeah. uh, he says uh well that's for you and i was like okay and he's like you know what i want to be your mentor you're gonna run a big company i need to be your mentor and i was like oh, okay uh i don't know how this works <laughs> sure and uh he was phenomenal i learned a ton from him and uh so what you've been doing with the students do you see any metrics where uh or do you have any metrics that with this connection process that's occurring is there a lot that you're seeing these students come back and say, you know what, I learned a lot, but not only did I learn a lot, I made some connections. They helped me get into this space more. Like what are the, the KPIs that you get out of this? Because for me, I think it's a, it's a untapped space that people really should look at trying to figure out, can I be more tactful? Just like you're going to find an investor, you can find someone that can mentor you in a space you don't know a lot about. And even like you said, a half hour or an hour every two weeks, is more valuable than hiring somebody to work for you to do a certain job. Uh, yes. I'm paraphrasing for you, but uh, yeah. you know, do you have any KPIs that really knock this out? 
Um, I wish I could offer more KPIs. Um, our program, at least with Carlton in the mentoring program, has a, uh, a recommendation of a monthly meet. My communications with my two mentors, they, they always assign me the young entrepreneurs to be mentored by me personally. Uh, I ask for it. I, I want to work with them because you can't replace fire in someone's gut. So if I could put a KPI for that, how bad does that burn inside of them where they just cannot extinguish it no matter what? Uh, the rest of life will try and extinguish that burning desire of an entrepreneur's heart and that passion. I want to provide them more fuel and more flame. So luminous, you know, how luminous is that fire in their belly? That would be amazing. Um, but I look at it ways to the way their character. I look at how they interact, what matters to them, why do they commit themselves to certain volunteer activities. And if they haven't done any, I say, go look at a few of them and tell me what might interest you to get uh, involved because part of your role in the university is the relationships you make and, and mentoring is just one. But the breadth and long-standing relationship you'll hold the rest of your career can start in the university environment. And the best ones to do it is to align on a purpose, on a, uh, an activity or a mission, often around different student groups and activities. And that's where you can find those lifelong relationships that you can leverage throughout the rest of your career. So I'd often say find two or three of those type of groups and tell me why it matters to you. And then we can orientate some of our conversations about getting involved there or how you get involved. But we also had Hatch, which already had a group getting together every every week. And so that became a, a metric about showing up. So much about business is showing up. You don't have to have all the answers. Be open when you don't know and ask the right questions so that you learn as you go. And those are sort of the composites of, you know, what makes a good metric. But meeting regularly really helps build a cadence and uh, to get ready and be prepared for that opportunity. I highly recommend when you're meeting your mentor, think about it ahead of time, prep your questions, be more insightful so that you can get the most of that dialogue. That's, Optimize uh, your that's time, right? and, and verify the fact that you're, you're using somebody's time. So go there with all the hard hitting questions so that you leave with something of value. It's, it's like booking a meeting you have to have some ask in that meeting and if that if you don't have an ask then ask to be introduced to somebody uh, yeah. there's always a, a, a positive that you can take from anything that you're going to do with someone but I, I do like the that whole aspect of preparing yourself uh, before you go in so that you come out with uh, an end result that's going to bring value back to you and it might even bring ba value back to your mentor as well I, i'll put a point of reference for that alone jeff would you say about this value exchange um sort of the law of reciprocity it's something that i sometimes speak to with my mentees that uh you might have um, a grand vision and a, and a whole lot of energy put towards achieving that and you just feel impatient on how you go get it but don't forget there's steps along the way and when you are leveraging someone's time or resources or network value that and there's certain things you can do and i've had some uh even uh, some of my tenants, my real estate properties. So uh, I use that as a way of doing investment to, to normalize the ups and downs of startup and tech investing. But I even had mentees inside my uh, properties because I wanted to be close enough to, to see them through their journey, even though they weren't in my university. So I didn't want to say, no, you're not in my university. I can't be available to you a mentor. Uh, but if they happen to be looking for a property, I, I put them in and they, even to this day, three years hence, being the top number one sales in Scholars of Your Service painting for three years, he still does a job every year to say thanks. And oh, it's like he trains his, his staff on one of my properties. That just, it just, to him, it makes great sense. I, I, I go over, I spend some time, I'll bring some, uh, you know, food or lunch, and, and, you know, but that relationship has been established on a foundation of reciprocity. And so maybe everyone else who's looking for a mentor might find something that they're already doing that could be valuable to their mentor. No, that's, that's brilliant. And, it, and I'm a big fan of everything you do in life is a value exchange. Uh, it, nothing's for free, but you got to find a way to give back and take at the same time. It can't always be take. Uh, and, but I like the fact that uh, people are repaying back the same thing when they're working with you, that they're seeing yeah. the value and they're continuing to kind of uh, flourish it, but find ways to keep those touch points. And I think that's pretty valuable. Um, so 
you've kind of gone through, you've built this. Now I know you're doing a lot of unique stuff as well with startups. So maybe give us a, a better idea or a bigger idea of the whole uh, startup ecosystem in Ottawa and how uh, you're working behind that. So I know you work with a bunch of different groups and there's a lot of exciting things that you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, the way that I work within the Ottawa ecosystem is I have a mindset. I put roots into the ecosystem first and I nurse them before looking to have anything in exchange back. Give to your community, the resources will be more robust and available to, to you later on, later on. And inside of that, so I'm on the board of the Ottawa Network. It's about supporting uh, founders in their early parts of their journey. As they come out of the, uh, their early stage where they have their ideas and their prototypes, they have an open demo night that we host every, um, every other month. So we have one coming up in uh, July 30th. And I, I look for uh, talented uh, founders, have a discussion with them, and then give them the floor. And it's, it's a very much a nurturing space. It's about helpful um, feedback and understanding where this person has this idea and where they're coming from and where they need to go. And we, that community is offering some supports on where they need to go. I'm looking for a raise or needing this type of uh, talent to be working on my project. So there, it's an ask of the community to help. And I really enjoy the, the demo nights. I know you do them as well. They're, they're always some of the most exciting aspects of uh, coming out on an evening when you're already busy and tired from your day's work, but you get refreshed from uh, people presenting their, their hearts yeah, and, the, and their, their businesses. Um, I've been involved through Carlton Startup Ecosystem. Hatch uh, entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, they naturally uh, progress either into Lead to Win, which is a more codified uh, university accelerator, and then they're also um, referred and matched over to Invest Ottawa, which is our uh, RIC, our Regional Investment Centre. And inside of that, they get more resources that they need to cement their businesses and to move forward. Uh, selectively, I work with founders that have uh, needs in ways in which they either need a uh, three types of capital, which is what I do as a venture catalyst is a term I use. I work on that early founder stage uh, where you're, you're, you're getting your concept together to prototyping to first customer traction, then your growth being investment ready. And I will invest uh, my, my network, my intellectual capital, my network capital, social capital, and then my financial capital as a, as a, a hurdle. So all that time I'm in alignment I'm working on your project and I'm not taking any fees until there's a milestone, that, a hurdle rate where my time and my money are uh, viewed by a third party or another angel investor and that becomes full suite. So it means I'm on your journey, I'm not taking uh, early stakes unless we uh, reach a milestone that is a major one and it has validation from another industry associate. I had to learn that was the fair process because I'd often lose out on promises or businesses not uh, coming to fruition. But I love the I love the grind. I guess I, it's not always my wife and family, but I love the journey and learning the experiential learning. So I, I've I've made this model. So I've done now uh, closer to nine, ten different investments. Uh, you know, mostly of that sort of description. And it was important to me that uh, I build trust with my network of uh, those that want to invest uh, alongside me because I've done the preparedness and the, the, some of the diligence work and the guidance to get the company forward. Oh, that's awesome. And, and I like the fact that you mentioned that you build trust. I think a lot of people tend to just jump into something thinking that they're so valuable that they're going to get a lot out of this and the other person should just believe them. And there's a lot of, uh, in this space, a lot of people that are just looking for equity and they walk away or they don't produce anything and they just want the chips and then they leave. So I like the, I really like the fact that you're in there, you're doing uh, a lot of great work. You've got a couple of different verticals or buckets that you're focused on and money's the last one because you're trying to build and get into there so that you really believe in their vision and get behind them. And then you start to produce the other aspects that's going to help them bump their business and grow it. So you, you really are, uh, you're almost the CEO helping in, doing all the, the right things. And then at the <laughs> right time, you're, you're also saying, hey, wait, don't sweat it. I've got some cash I want to put into this too. So you're really bringing a lot of value into that game. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for saying uh, you, 
you know how hard it is with all your works that you do with OPN, um, just getting to the milestone of being selected by OPN to be pitched. What happens, everything leading up to that? Maybe you've never had the experience. Maybe you're so passionate about a problem you want to solve, but you don't know the ecosystem. You don't have the connection points. You don't know what's expected. It, it is pretty daunting task. Leading up to that first night where you got to pitch in front of a whole room and deliver, right? For sure. That takes some coaching and mentoring. So that's going back to our earlier conversation. That's where I started from it. But I had some wins. I, I work in innovation. I work in technology. And when I have wins, I keep dry powder aside, yep. waiting for the right thing that's going to be fitting. So I have two current files that I'm really excited about. Uh, and my, my scope of work always gets bigger in terms of the, the opportunity, but then it gets less in terms of how many I can put time and effort into. It's well, you can't the, do everything, right? But you yeah. want to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And, and I think uh, there's there's so many similarities between how you operate and what you do and what we do at OPN. And I think that there's, uh, you know, there's a ton of synergies just from how you approach business, how you look at things, our backgrounds. So I really yeah. like that. I, I think that there's a lot of uh, um, synergies and gel there for sure. Um, so now you, you've kind of gone through this journey. You're working with startups. You've built a lot of cool things in Ottawa. What uh, What's your favorite part of of this outside the grind there's got to be more than just the grind i know the grind's exciting but yeah. that can also be a lot of work so what's yeah. the, what's the part that you really enjoy about investing it's the um it's the relationship and the hands-on learning because i i read books i can't stay focused on completing a full book most times but when i'm inside a business and when i'm learning by being immersed into just the whole sphere of it all, I cannot help but internalize it. And it becomes part of my scope of now net new learning by doing. That's something I find so energizing. I look forward to getting up in the, uh, in the, the day to do the work. Sometimes I can't sleep until I can get messages across through Slack or the email saying, I've discovered this. Everything seems to find. It boils from you know, uh, what would they call it? The uh, ethos and opportunity starts finding. So I'm really connecting into those aspects of, uh, of synchronicity when I'm really uh, aligned with a founder. And then the relationship comes from that because they feel authentic, genuine support. I'm doing it because I feel I can help you. Not, And I, I often have to say no when I feel there's a misalignment. I just can't get excited or it's not something I'm already drawn to. But when I see it, I do. And then my best story to, to share on this, I know you have some questions, but I'll just jump right into it. Yeah, jump I'm uh, currently, uh, yeah, I go into it? All right. I'm, I went to, um, out to California for, uh, for some business about uh, growing one of my portfolio investments. And uh, it wasn't going to move as fast in terms of timelines as I was hoping. So I was coming back saying, okay, I got to look at you know, what I might take up. I had an open bandwidth slot of my time and energy to put in. And I met a founder who was just, uh, went out to the West coast. He was meeting with, uh, you know, Sand Hill, a bunch of different, uh, VCs and he was kicking the dust going, Oh man, this is tough. But I was just about to fall asleep in my, you know, in the middle seat, which I hate inside of an airplane. But this guy just, there's something about him. He just had a quick few words and we just gravitated towards a conversation about, uh, why we're there, what, about our families. And we didn't get into business until maybe 35 minutes afterwards. And then it was the rest of the whole flight. Didn't get a wink, you know, on the red eye. We talked for four and a half hours straight. Um, this is uh, Tom Albert. He was the founder of Measured Risk. It's an AI tech company that is providing risk uh, services for large enterprises. And I'm going, wow. I, I see alignment because first it was about what we talked about as people, as you know, men coming back from battle, so to speak. And so we use this analogy in our own sort of working relationship is that we're going to take that hill, we're going to rise by you know, lifting others, and we build teams based on core strengths and expertise. All these sort of euphemisms around a military establishment because they're selling to the Department of Defense. And some of the company's um, best assets of individuals are all from that background. So we really resonated with that, and I end up uh, wrapping up my consulting practice 
to jump on and be uh, the CEO. And uh, we're gonna, that's gonna be the, uh, the, the current uh, priority for the, the near future, because the goal was to raise fundraising uh, for a seed round and we're getting to the short end of that possibility right now. So, and that's seven months later. So sometimes these journeys don't have to take a long time. Uh, the more that you, you put time into uh, executing, which is ultimately answering one of your previous questions. My favorite thing of a uh, business is execution and successful execution because the win feels as good as anything when I played, you know, competitive sport. So I look for that too. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. This is probably the most congratulations I've had in a, in a talk. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds huge. You're going to be a new, new, new CEO and that's it. You're moving a business. So I love it. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned, and I, I want to explore this just for a quick second. Um, you mentioned how you do things to build trust and build relationships. Uh, CEOs of startup companies, they are brand new. Usually they have a tough time selling into companies. I, I probably predict 95% of all CEOs and startup companies, they're builders, not salespeople. And that's where their shortcomings are. That's where they end up going down in flames because they can't figure out a way to sell or they don't even want to try. And they try to lean on other people or they lean on other people for finance and they don't really understand all the business fundamentals. But one thing that they, they can really do better is relationships. And that's going to allow for those other pieces to work better. So you mentioned the things that you do to get comfort level with the CEO. Is there something that you can share that helps uh, startup CEOs better understand how they can manage relationships or at least start new relationships with investors or with their team better so that they are more in control of their position so that they can still grow their business without running into other problems. They'll be able to foresee them coming because they've built that relationship. So to, to, Summarize your question, I would say, is there certain things that I do to imbue trust with the startup founders and the CEOs I'm working with? Yeah. One of the things I find that um, it, it starts without a uh, expectation we're going to work together. Let's, let's actually spend uh, some time having conversations. So I like to do uh, sometimes long walks, you know, not too long, but you know, on the campus, a beautiful campus like Carleton, or have uh, invite them over uh, for uh, a round table of beers with some of my, my colleagues. So I first invite them into some of my network and have them sit down with guys just having beers. And I expand it to women founders as well. So I work with a lot of female founders. So I invite someone that comes together that might be a good suitable relationship to that individual. So I think about where they're going and I try and put people in front of them in a social uh, environment first. And no expectation, but I also get the benefit. What do you think of that founder about their, how they resonate with you? Is there ways in which how they describe their opportunity that you like? What would you like me to explore more about this opportunity? Because it's going to move from a social back to a you know, professional. So that's one of the things that I do. I've also hosted people over my, you know, for patio drinks. Um, I've, I have an interest uh, previously in a restaurant and a brewery. So I invite them there sometimes to get to know the founders I've already worked with. So showing that there's a, um, there's a cadre of other like-minded entrepreneurs that you can tap into. So you, leading your organization doesn't have to be single-minded focus. You can call it a mastermind. So I, I build informal masterminds with uh, get togethers once a month. Not as uh, robust as OPN. I love to be in Toronto. I'm going to take one incoming soon. But I do it informally around either one of those establishments or somewhere that's going to be fitting for that founder. So I, 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 roll, I roll it out first without, uh, you know, without shiny bling and promises. Just enjoy some beers with people that might be good connections for you. That imbues a lot of trust. And then I show them my process. I have a, an infographic about my process, and then I have some KPI or metric case studies of the works I have done. And I show them how I've worked with them. And, that, and then the other thing is time. Open lines of communication and time. I don't rush it. Uh, if it's too rushed and for whatever purposes, there might be something there that is causing some strain or stress that just might brush the wrong way on the opportunity overall. So I let time tell. So typically, 
it takes me about two to three months before I might even consider uh, jumping and onboarding to a new project. That's awesome. Likeability factor helps too. What's that? The likeability factor. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I like that you, you process it through. And now if I'm an, an entrepreneur, I think I can relate to that. And well, I am an entrepreneur, but if I can relate <laughs> to that from a different side is that uh, the value that comes back is that I, you need to be more personable. You need to be able to open up lines of communication and you need to do things that will help uh, bring people together. And you're doing all of those things by putting networking, little networking events together, which makes someone feel comfortable. Uh, it's allowing them to see that you understand where they're coming from and where they're going. Uh, but you're also getting in, you're put, rolling up your sleeves, you're doing a little bit of the handwork, you're introducing them to people, which again, makes them feel comfortable that you're guiding them, but you're also not afraid to open up your network and share them around so mm -hmm. that they can get more experience. And now they're going to lean on you because they're going to start creating opportunities with those people or with those groups. And then they're going to come back to you to kind of help structure that. You're going to get feedback from everybody else to see how they were dealing with and managing it. And then that's going to build a nice little relationship with you and that person to open it up to go forward. I love it. I think that that's, uh, it's a great way to spin it back from a, a startup perspective on yeah. the things that they need to do in order to work with investors or work with teammates or even work with uh, outside constituents or people that have an interest in their product or in their, in their structure is that yeah. sometimes you got to go above and beyond. You got to go for that beer. You got to try and take yourself out of your element and you have to be open. And I, for me, I, it's the hardest thing in the world. I, I, I always use the analogy that there's a hundred doors or a thousand doors in front of me. And yep. the only job I have is to pick the locks and open the door. <laughs> the problem is that I'll open them, but yep. there's a lot of people inside that room, but yep. I don't want to go in the room and I don't really want to talk to all those people because that's not my thing. So yep. I'll pick the locks, but I got a team that I'm going to shuffle in and I'm going to go to the next one. And then when they start to warm up and get everybody comfortable and feeling great, I'll jump back in and be the, I don't know, I won't say I'm the party favorite. I'm certainly not going to be that. But I'll jump back in and share uh, stats and information to make them feel comfortable that they're being taken care of by a great team. But the team has yes. already delivered all of that. And that's really it. So I'm just kind of that in and out person that supports it. But I love the fact that you're really getting them to trust you and feel good about it. Uh, and, and then be able to build metrics and KPIs to help them through that. So again, from the startup perspective, I think that that's a, a real win for them, but they also yeah. need to learn from that because that's going to help them build a relationship with you. Because I find that a lot of startups and CEOs, they're standoffish at the beginning, right? They're like, oh, just another person trying to take equity or another person trying to get in and take my business because they're super defensive versus saying, hey, wait, maybe there's some value here and yeah. you're creating that value. So... I have uh, one more suggestion it, it, that probably would work with anyone. If you uh, want to help a charity, run an event. I usually run two or three events a year. Yep. And with anyone I'm uh, you know, building relationships with, I invite them. And I tell them who might be there. And sometimes if I want to know what they're made of, I ask them if they could do something to help. How they respond says a lot. Because if I'm a person that wants to build a community, I start with community first and I seed it and I grow it. If they, and I, I'll speak it verbally, this is who I am, but if they don't see the worth and nurturing of that community element that I'm putting forward by going to the front of the room and hosting or chairing or things of that description, then maybe it's not the same fit. But I, I think anyone can do that. When you're at the front of the room, people can now understand who you are. You don't use the mic to tell your whole story, no. But the fact that you do it tells your story. And that's just part of uh, the makeup. My mother was uh, a community activist. And during my former year, she was uh, making certain that Hydro Ontario was not putting massive electricity lines through the back of schools. She helped change that from being a policy now where you don't see, you know, electrical lines running through the back of a school system, right? So I felt I saw the worth. Our whole community rallied together and had tight-knit relationships out of it. So. I often will lead from the, the front of the room, do a community event, invite those people that need to be connected, and then I'll check in on them and, and introduce and, and, and host. So that's the way I do it. Not everyone is comfortable doing that that way, but if you do it purposefully, you can define it any way you wish. That's awesome. You're, yeah. you're, uh, you're a community connector. You've got the, uh, uh, the direction and the flow, so that's amazing. 
<laughs> we need more people like you, Jason, that are just moving people around. You go talk to that person. You over there. I think that's brilliant. No, that's yeah. awesome. I, I do the business of it all. Like, you know, I, I crank out the, you know, the business and the sales and the, the tech. Good. But my enjoyment level comes from bringing people together and seeing, you know, when you shake all those different sort of uh, brilliant people together, what, what molecules come out of opportunity? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of sales that come out of that because connecting and making people feel comfortable is uh, certainly a good way of doing that. So uh, brilliant. I love it. I think your consulting background has really helped you thrive in this space of being able to find ways to connect. So I yeah, love it. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, what we're going to do now is um, we're going to jump into maybe one, one more question. Then we're going to go into rapid fire questions. All right. I'm so, ready. ready. In all of, all of the experience that you've gathered from the investments, working with startups, building uh, an accelerator, the networking, all this great stuff, is there one or two things that you can pull from this that would say, you know what, if you're a startup and you're going to get into your own company, here's two things that I think really define and make a startup. You need to have tenacity. You need to do this. What are those things that you think really drive that out so that an entrepreneur watching this or listening can really think in the back of their head, you know what, I got to write this on my vision wall and I got to make sure every day I'm looking at this because that makes a big difference to how I'm going to build this. Yeah. Um, definitely. I've been finding through the, the theme through all of my engagements was it starts, it was uh, team alignment, the team competency, the capability and the vision being aligned. Everyone can be excited at the front, but, you then have to assess it against the other thing. What risks are we going to level up and hit? Because that's when the team has to come together and go through it, over it, around it. That's what a team that's aligned on a vision can see problems and surmount them. So how you manage risk and how the team aligns is the two, th two things I find are always within the control and the dialogue of a founder and his team. You can decide what risk you want to take. You could bootstrap and not take on uh, funding. You can go after the big industry uh, Titan, or you can go find a very nimble value added opportunity. You, you can make an iterative approach and make a great business out of it by managing the risk. So you have to make those questions uh, well, well known and researched and then discovered. And so those are typically what I like to drive in early on about how this team to game together, why, where everyone's alignment and commitments are, and what risks do you see? Do you understand them? And how are you going to go over, overcome them? Awesome. That's what I, 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 I like that, uh, well, managing risk and, and alignment, those are two big players, uh, two big pieces. And you mentioned it earlier that the alignment comes to execution. And you yeah. love executing. So if you can't align a team to execute, you're going to be all over the place, people doing all different things. And then your risk factor is going to change because you're going to be risking on things you shouldn't even be talking and tackling because you didn't align your team. So brilliant. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Great summary. You do a better job than I do. <laughs> no, 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 that's good, man. No, that you did it. I'm just like, just riding the story, man. Just making the story work. <laughs> but uh, I love that. All right. We're going to do the rapid fire questions and then okay. we're going to go to the crystal ball questions. So for now, all right. Let's go. So quick rapid fire. I got to explain rapid fire because I've seen other ones where you're like rapid fire and people go for an hour. So sure. rapid fire, just whatever comes to mind. All right. Uh, and some of this you've already talked to, but that's okay. Uh, how many companies do you, or dollars do you invest per year? So I invest up to 50,000 in a year. Okay. Uh, any, sorry, any reinvestments do you t that you do and percentage? I've done uh, reinvestment and um, that will, uh, I like to match my stake to keep my, uh, my position. Perfect. Uh, any notable companies that you would like to share in your portfolio? Uh, two, uh, primarily uh, measured risk right now, um, which is AI technology. Also greenery, which is brand uh, licensing and green products for uh, uh, stationary space and then events.com, which is scaling up crazy. So that was okay. three sorry. <laughs> All right, that's good. Perfect. Uh, any specific verticals that you like to focus on? Yes, um, definitely uh, web technologies. And I also like to do uh, entertainment and real estate. 
entertainment is not so much, it's more content and technology interfacing. And yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any preferred terms that you like to invest on? If it's safes, preferred shares, common shares, that type of thing. Because I'm all, I'm on the founder journey. I, I like safes as an instrument. It allows for you know that future equity uh, uh, negotiation. Um, but I am moving more towards prefs as uh, it's hard to get your liquidity back, right? So you want to make certain you're in good position for that. I like it. Uh, all right. What is your timeline for investment? You did mention that you can take two to three months. Yep. Usually about uh, two to three months. And, um, but I'm also on the journey with the founders. So I find if you're raising um, a friends and family round, we conclude matters within six months. If it's uh, towards a seed, it could be up to 18 months. If it depends on how ready you are. Okay. And that's helping you get there. Perfect. Do you lead rounds? Uh, not as yet. Uh, but I use due diligence checklists to make certain all is ripe and ready. Yeah. Uh, any, do you take any board seats? I have, yes, and I will be with Measured Risk upcoming. Uh, is there anything that you will heavy on when it comes to your DD? Uh, the, uh, the technology uh, value proposition getting uh, validated. Okay, value, validation of tech. It's a good yeah. one. Okay, all right. So that's pretty much it for rapid fire questions. You did very well. You went through quickly, so no penalized points. You still have 10 points. Okay, so last, last question is the crystal ball question. So based on where the markets are today, uh, where they're going to be and all that good stuff, uh, in your crystal ball, can you give us any predictions of maybe verticals that you see opening up in the next uh, 12 to 36 months, or even on your side, things that you're looking for in the next 12 months, which may change in the next 36. So kind of crystal ballish, any predictions that you have that we can uh, all live and learn from? Mm. Well, I feel it's probably uh, best insight and I'm playing in it. So that says a lot. I've decided to leave one of my professions consulting to jump right in. Um, artificial intelligence technology and augmentation of the executive decision maker. Um, it has been utilized for very specialized industries, but the general purpose ability to help individuals in different verticals, healthcare, de defense, logistics, etc. They need tools that are providing uh, insights and uh, anticipatory intelligence. And this is something we focus on in measured risk. So when I caught that, from my consulting background, I realized I was always augmenting the executive and how they made decisions going forward. And there was always challenges or I produced, you know, some print doc and always annoying and because it never got fully implemented. AI, you can codify it, build dashboards and alerts that are very specific or very generalized and it's going to change. And there's $2.9 trillion of AI augmentation, new business that Gardner is uh, anticipating by 2030. So if that's not a big enough market to pursue making better decisions in business, that's, that's my, uh, my crystal ball prediction for everyone. No, I like that. And you know, it's since everybody's going to be a little bit more uh, distanced and separated that a lot of these types of choices and conversations need to take place in the background and you need to get information and answers quicker. And that augmented style of management is going to come into play. Uh, and I think you're right. There's, uh, it's, well, it's a massive market for one, but two, uh, certainly adding in some AI and some uh, machine learning is going to really help uh, propel that uh, decision making. And you know what? There's a lot of decisions that are buried, so that information can come up from somewhere and help, right? Yeah, it's, uh, we have a lot of biases already, how we filter out information, because we're always bombarded by information. But uh, you need something to be able to alert you to something you just wouldn't otherwise see. And that's ultimately, isn't that what an entrepreneur is about? Is seeing something that others don't see and pursuing it rightly and opportunistically. For sure. That's why it really resonated with me to step in in such a large role. And uh, look forward to updating you and the, the audience in the future, how that goes. Yeah, no, I'm excited and looking forward to it. So, well, I think there you have it. We've got uh, a good prediction. Uh, we've got a lot of insights. Uh, you shared a lot of great information. And as I always do, I took lots of notes. 
Uh, and uh, we're going to rip through all this and put together a nice little storyline and some, uh, some follow-up material for it uh, in the show notes. But I do, Jason, want to thank you very much for, for joining me today. Um, it was a great conversation. I think we're probably going to talk for at least another 10 hours on all of this because there's just so much content and material when it comes to helping and working with startups. Um, and at that, I want to give you the last word. So the last thing that you want to share to uh, startups or to investors, anything that you want to say that would really help trigger them or excite them, uh, because you do like to share that energy. But I give you the last word. You can say anything you like. Life is a journey. Entrepreneurship is a journey. It's all your ups and downs that make it worthwhile. So choose your moments, live it well. Hope to meet you sometime in the future. That's brilliant. I was going to write that down, but it was so fast. I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. But that was a great line. So uh, <laughs> I love it. No, that's hey, you're, you're a great uh, interviewer. It's, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank awesome. you and your team, your organization. Look forward to interacting more often. You bet. Well, we'll chat a little bit later. Uh, I'll send you a text or we'll chat. But outside that, Jason, thank you very much. That was phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic. Have a great day to everyone else, too. Cheers. Thanks, Jason. Well, there you have it. That was Jason Bailey from, from Ottawa. I love Ottawa. Such a nice, nice, nice city. Uh, so many things to do. Uh, wilderness is brilliant and amazing. But Jason followed up with so many cool things. And we really got to explore uh, the whole side of mentorship. I know we've talked about mentorship before, but not at the same capacity of this as this. We really dived into how this mentoring really does help an entrepreneur move forward. And he built a whole ecosystem in Ottawa with the university just to talk about mentorship and phenomenal information. He really dove into that. Uh, and one of the things that I really want to pull out of this was that it's all about re relationships, how you build them. And then the second thing was execution. He talked about that all the time. How are you going to execute to be awesome? And I think that uh, he really knocked a lot of those things home. Uh, his two main things that he talked about from a CEO perspective uh, or from a business is managing risk and alignment, team alignment. And that was big because we didn't really get into that in a lot of other discussions, but I really do like that he emphasized on team and how team aligns on the same execution and the same plan. So lots of great information. Uh, Jason was great. I look forward to uh, our next talk. Have an awesome day and thank you for tuning in. And, you know, as you mentioned, life is a journey and he went on with all this entrepreneurship's a journey. You know what? You got to live. You got to learn. Take the risk and, and go for success. I'm paraphrasing. Thanks, Jason. Have a great day.